Hello and welcome to the Empowered, Sensitive and Creative Podcast. My name is Rim. I'm an artist, a certified life coach and an NLP practitioner and the creator of the Empowered, Sensitive and Creative Retreats. Passionate about celebrating joy and beauty in the everyday, especially when things are falling apart, I'm insatiably curious about human nature into the world with reverence, awe and a sense of wonder. Tune in for stories exploring healing through creativity, art, embracing sensitivity and navigating the subconscious mind. I'll talk about the struggles that highly sensitive and creative people face and share my experiences, insights and favorite tools along the way. I'm here to empower you to turn what we often deem to be a curse into your biggest gift. I believe that the more we create together, the more we heal the world. So let's dive in! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered, Sensitive and Creative Podcast. I'm so happy and grateful for you tuning in. Today is a special day because I'm having my first guest interview. I'm so excited about that and I hope you will enjoy the conversation. My first guest is Camille Minervo. She is the host and creator of The Blossom Experiment, a podcast that discusses authenticity, intuition and intuitive living. Her purpose is to help others flow inwards so they can trust their inner guidance and create a life that feels fulfilling to the soul. Carmi is one of the first few people whom I met when I first arrived back in France after many years in China. And we shared quite a few conversations on the topics of manifestation, spirituality, traveling the world, and emotions, and being grounded and especially flow and authenticity. A few months ago, I was her guest on her podcast, The Blossom Experiment, where I shared about harnessing your sensitivity to thrive. And now I'm so pleased to have her on my podcast for this conversation. So it was quite a long and flowy conversation. So at the end, I decided to separate it into two parts. In this first part, we talk about grounding, flowing energy, getting back to the earth, listening to our body, emotions and empowerment, standing up for ourselves. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. Let's dive in. Hi, Camille. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I loved, I met, I think we met almost one year and a half ago. And since then, we've enjoyed long and flowy conversations. It's true. Yeah, it's been that long. And yeah, and so many, so much has happened ever since. So, <laughs> so much has happened. And I love, I love being on your podcast. So I'm so happy that now I have mine. You accepted to be my guest. Yes, let's do this. Let's do this. So first, I have a few short and short and sweet questions to get to know you better. Can you tell me about yourself? Like where you're from? Where did you grow up? So yes, I am originally from Brazil, from Sao Paulo, and right now I'm based in Crete, in Greece, in an island. Okay, so I can I imagine 
really two different things, like one huge megapole, huge city, and then small corner of the world in the middle of the sea. Yes, huge contrast, huge contrast. But I've always wanted to live close to the sea, so it's serving me for now in this present moment, <laughs> but we'll see where yeah. it goes. And then tell me, do you know your astrology, like your basic astro science and human design? Um, I really love yes. human design. So. <laughs> yes, I really, really like human design as well. So my human design, I'm a, in, in human design, I'm a projector. I'm a 2-4 emotional projector and in astrology um, I am a Taurus my rising is in Cancer and my moon is in Gemini um, yeah I think it sums me up quite quite well actually <laughs> okay so Cancer rising <laughs> yes I, yes I, I'm also Sun Taurus and Cancer rising so <laughs> really <laughs> Yeah. Oh my, what's your moon? Pisces. Okay, more water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, it's, so for you, it's like May, June, July, the three months are packed. Oh, well, I, I honestly, I have never thought of, of that, but that can be accurate because right now I'm really going through it. So yeah, yeah, people talk about like the, like the, like your personal hell or something like that, you know, like when the months before your birthday. I don't know. In Portuguese, we we call it like astro hell. I don't know if that's a thing in English as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. But it's actually because my my moon is like in the meat, like in the cusp between Taurus and Gemini. It's like the last degree of Taurus, first degree of Gemini. So some astrologers, when they read my chart, they say, yeah, you instantly have, like with the progression, you instantly have a moon in Gemini. And some others, they say that I have a moon in, in Taurus. So, but I feel very Gemini. So like I really resonate with the sign. So yeah, I, I think know. that's what counts is what you resonate. Or maybe later in your life you will resonate with the um, Taurus I'm 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 Sun Taurus and I'm like a cusp Aries because I was born at the beginning like first day mm. of Taurus so I do have the 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 Aries influence but not every day not not as as much as Taurus you know like sometimes you know it's like when you I think it's like to my understanding it's like in your human design when you have some centers that are um, and define you can tap into the energy but not continually i feel like the cusp would be like that you can tap into it but not on a continuous like not on a regular basis so i don't know i feel like maybe for you your, your main uh, moon is gemini so you really resonate with it but then if you need more taurus you can tap into it maybe more easily than someone who doesn't have it yeah, that's never thought of the, of it like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, accurate. Yeah. Okay, so Gemini is uh, is what is it? Fire? No, is it air? I think it's air. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so earth, water, and air, quite yeah. balanced. Yeah. Yeah, but if you yeah, or like a lot of earth. Yeah. Yeah. So grounding. I try. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting because your podcast is called The Blossom Experiment. And I don't know, I'm just, 
I'm inspired by stuff right now. I just think, oh, blossoming flowers. They, they grow in the ground. And yeah. they need water and a bit of air to be happy and, and be nurtured. <laughs> yeah, it's like a mix of all of my elements. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting that you're saying that because another person recently told me like, ah, I love how how when you are on your podcast, when we're talking about things, how much you bring it back to the ground, like how how embodied, uh, this person said like, I love how embodied you are, like how much groundiness you have. And it's so interesting because I think that I um, rejected this part of me for a long time when I first got into spirituality and personal development because I wanted, because everyone was so airy and I just wanted to be so airy and so flowy that I, neglected like the earth you know so nowadays I make a really conscious um I I set a conscious intention every day to be grounded and to realize that we're still in planet earth so spirituality is beautiful and it supports me in so many ways but you know I still need to eat I still need to make money I still or like not need but I still want to eat I still want to make money I still want to wear beautiful clothes you know so it's and I think Taurus is a lot about that it's about this being in the beauty of the world in the comfort of the world um and in the material aspect of the world so yeah I really try to not neglect that part of myself anymore um, because I feel like I did. Yeah. I'm really pleased to hear you say that. I think it's so important. We are, we have a spirit, but we are, we also have a body. We are human, yeah, animals actually. (laughs) So we're also animals. So we need to remember that. And actually, I think it's super important to honor animality and uh, instead of trying to get away from it. I agree. And I think that some spiritual teachings, they kind of uh, bypass it, you know, um, as if you could just spend your entire life meditating. And of course, some people, they have this as a purpose and, you know, it's not wrong or right. But I feel like for the majority of the humans, they are here to, to do something with the material. You know, so yeah, I think it's it's important to have this conversation and to talk about this, you know, because yeah, oh my god, when I look at myself in the past, like in my really core spiritual phase, I'm like, oh my god, honey, what were you doing? <laughs> like, why? But it's well, okay. it was a, yeah, it was a phase. <laughs> yes, try not to judge. <laughs> Compassion. <laughs> yeah, maybe these people they have. A lot of air in the in the astrology. Maybe they don't have the the grounding, the earth element. That's why even they need to ground it sometimes as the human beings. But maybe in their past, in their life experience or whatever, they don't need to be as grounded because we need different kind of people. But we, since we have a lot of earth energy, like <laughs> it's our. It's if we if we didn't ground, if we didn't embody what we think or what we ask our ideas or everything, our essence, then we would be far from who we are, from our essence, since we are earth, partly earth people. Yeah. And what I love about what you just said is the reason why I like these tools, 
they're not core tools in my life. I don't use them every day. I don't check my astrology every day. I don't check my human design every day or something like that. But I think that they are just tools that shows us how unique we all are. And I think yeah. that what you just said is why I like the the theme of authenticity and why I do my podcast and why I do the work that I do and everything is because I feel like for so many years, I tried to fit into a box, you know, of being something of being like a certain type of spiritual person or a certain type of corporate person or a certain type of workout person, you know, of how I eat and things like that. And all constantly forgot about my connection to my intuition and myself. And I think that you know, some people, they do really well with being more airy, but it doesn't mean that everyone has to be more airy the same way that I do like better when I'm more grounded and embodied, but it doesn't mean that that's the case for everyone. So I really like what you said, that it's like honing into your uniqueness and your individuality and then deciding what's best for you from that place instead of just trying to fit somewhere, you know? Yeah, that's so important. I, I agree with you. And we are whole. Uh, you, you remember what you said? Like, I think what you said was perfect. We are on Earth. <laughs> we still are in, a, in this planet. And in this planet, we are, there's the whole. And there are also like plants. We need all kinds of different plants. And we need heat. And we need rain. And we need wind. And we need not wind in some parts. We need earthy humans. We need airy humans. We need fiery humans and more watery like when i say it's not like human is one thing but I, I would say like the dominant we need male energy we need female energy <laughs> it's different blocks different energies that we we all need to have yeah. balance and harmony, harmony yeah. and um, we need projectors, we need generators, we need the ones who start. Oh, we need the yes. ones... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you say briefly, uh, not going to the projector, what does it mean? Uh, you said you have emotion, uh, emotional authority. So since this podcast is about sensitivity and creativity, emotions play a big role. And your yeah. cancer rising, so that's also the feelings and emotions. And, and you have emotional energy, uh, authority, sorry. What, like, how does it show up for you? Would you like to share some yeah. thoughts? Yeah, emotions, they rule a huge part of my life, even more than I would like to admit. Um, and it is something that I think that when you are an emotional person, like in human design or when you are just extremely connected to your emotions and to your sensations and you're more sensitive, I feel like something happens when you are growing up that is you are kind of shamed by it. You are shamed by other people that you should make decisions with your brain. You shouldn't make decisions with your heart that, you know, just sw swallow that cry. Why are you overreacting? Um, it, it actually makes me so sad right now because um, it makes me remind, like it, remi it reminds me of so many times in my childhood when I was like being emotional or wanting to have feelings or something like that. And people would just 
think I was too much, you know, um, like, ah, oh, you're too, like, and I didn't know, for example, I was really anxious. I, I have a lot of anxiety. I didn't know what it was. Like I would cry in tests in school when I was like in second grade, you know, like super young, but I would have like this painful anxiety. I would start crying, having like anxiety attacks. The teacher would have to pull me out of the, <laughs> of the class and just calm me down. And that lasted for like more than two years, you know? And no one knew was that I was having anxiety attacks and was teaching me to deal with those things. It was just, it ended up reflecting on my grades and it was just me being a bad student, you know? So I, it's really, yeah, it's like just really frustrating. So I think that after you grow up and you start being your own self and you start realizing that this is not a bad thing and it can actually be a super big strength, um, I think you can do a lot of magic with it and it can become a sort of superpower, you know? So after I found out about human design and I understood more what it was to have emotional authority. So if for any of your listeners, if they don't know authority is basically your intuition in human design. So it's how you connect your intuitions and how you make decisions. And for emotional people, they have to leave it for at least 24 hours so they can feel all of the spectrums of the wave of emotionality and the emotions that they're having. And then they make a decision. So for example, if someone invites me for something like a dinner on Friday and then today I'm feeling super excited about it and then tomorrow I just like feel super depleted and I'm like I f this dinner like I don't want to go to dinner I don't want to eat blah blah, blah. and then after this extreme highs and extreme lows after they pass then you find a place of neutrality and from that place you can make a decision and although it seems almost like counterintuitive to what society would tell you to do when I found that I made decisions from this structure uh, this strategy it would benefit me way more than if I would just try to be the person who makes decisions on the time you know like at the on the spot mm. so yeah I just really trust normally my emotions however they can also be really deceiving so I for example I've been having a lot of thoughts about like what's the difference between fear and intuition because fear will disguise itself as intuition and will it if you're not really aware of how intuition feels in your body it will try to tell you that it's right and that you are being intuitive, but you're actually just being afraid. So yeah, I think there's so much that goes into um, emotions and trusting your emotions because at the same time, they can't really be 100% trusted, quote unquote. But I think it's just a constant daily learning of how to navigate them. Yeah, it's becoming a self. <laughs> becoming a sufferer, an emotional sufferer, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's really interesting. That's really interesting. I I'm uh, my emotion is open, so it's, I'm like the opposite of you. <laughs> but I still call myself very emotional. So I think it's interesting that some people have emotional authority, which means they have huge waves of emotions, and other. They actually, I was told that when you're not emotional, actually it means you're actually not, if, if nothing was happening during the day, you would have no emotions. 
uh, but you would have always, you would always have emotion like they're generated by you. Whereas in my case, generation uh, emotions are generated by most of the time other people around me. I'm like sucking them up. But I think the idea of riding the wave and waiting for the emotion to pass through can be really useful for everyone. Yeah, exactly. It's not only for like emotional authority people. I think it's just this case more for um, taking decisions, the, making decisions. Exactly. But if you're another, like there's a type in human design that you make, you have to make decisions on the spot. Like you're really good, good with making decisions on this on the spot, or you ask your gut yes or no question. So yeah, I think it's, but ultimately I think but, it's really about learning how to listen to your body. You know, I don't think we need those tools. I think it's just, um, whatever works for you really like it's not because it's written somewhere that you should just not definitely. never ask your body you know <laughs> definitely and I, I have a lot of questions about intuition and fear i will ask you a bit later because i think that would be really helpful for for all of the highly sensitive people listener <laughs> because we do tend because we have so many emotions so many senses so many so much information <laughs> sometimes it's hard to untangle all of that and to know what's true what's not true first I have a little question about your uh, I, I love profiling I'm not I don't I hate labor I don't like to put people into boxes I don't believe we are so as you say the human design it's just a tool to help it doesn't mean you have to follow everything but it's it's it helps to learn more about yourself and two other tools I really like uh, MBTI like the Myers Briggs and Enneagram. So by any chance, do you know them? Yes. Okay. So when you said MBTI, I was like, I don't know what this is, but Myers Briggs, I know what it is. So, but I didn't relate the true, connect the true. Um, so my Enneagram, I did it recently, and it says that I'm a four, and I don't know what that means. Are oh, you also a four? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and the Myers-Briggs one, I think, okay, so when I did it in 2015, mine was ESFJ, which is the console. And then after I did it in 2021, I was the campaigner ENFP. Yeah, which which is, sounds like it's someone with the extroverted intuitive feeling and prospecting personality trait so yeah that seems about right but when they change I feel really weird about it um so yeah okay I'm INFP so it's quite funny it's the same we are kind of similar so except that I'm introvert and you're extrovert so extrovert. I'm quite familiar <laughs> yeah I'm not surprised I'm not surprised because a part of being this NFP is this need of um, huge amount of flexibility and of flow, relying on flow a lot. It's like really doing things when we feel like it a lot. I know we cannot always rely on when we feel because there are some stuff that we will never do, <laughs> you know, like the things you have to do in the daily life, like some chores or whatever. But there is this um, important importance of flexibility feeling the intuition following the flow and yeah but you know one thing that's really interesting uh that I've been thinking about because 
I think that I have a lot of this flowy personality, but I think it's really curious how that interplays with the whole like Taurus being grounded thing. So it is something that I think about constantly because I think that sometimes I go too flowy, you know, and then I forget to bring it back to earth. (laughs) So I always, I also try to honor that more structured and grounded part of myself but without being too closed you know so it's just like a duality that's a really good point as we like too much flowy would kind of uh, be undermining you and not not serving you if it was too much flowy I totally feel you I agree with you I felt like it's about bringing a mix of structure like having structures but allowing the structure <laughs> to move. I, I, I really it's like, you know, having uh, like a legal, legal elements or whatever. So you have this, you know, you're building something, but you might need to move things from, you know, whereas someone who'd have a bit more structured um, personality, less flowy, let's say, would strive more on sticking to the plan speaking the by the hours and everything whereas for us it would be a bit more we have a plan but like this morning when we <laughs> organized we had a plan we had a time for for our interview but then we both had something things going on we're like can we change a little bit the time and it was like yeah sure let's adapt until we find the right moment what do you think yeah, and I I am someone who I'm very trust, like especially when it comes to time, it's really interesting that you're saying that because I really trust the timing of things. So if like something comes up and someone cancels a meeting or someone cancels a recording or if I cancel or reschedule a recording or something like that, I trust that the circumstances that led me to do that because I wasn't feeling it. Um they are the aligned ones. And I know that the moment that I will record the episode, it's going to be the best, you know, and it will be way better than before. So I tend to trust that a lot, but I know that a lot of other people, they don't work like that and they have a more challenging time working with like flexibility and flowing with these things. I'm just so not attached to them that I really don't care if someone cancels on me. Um, I really like normally I just believe that whatever is a line for them it's a line for me as well so I just try to really trust everything and trust the timing and yeah normally it's the best for everyone so I'm like super super chill with that I love that that's amazing it's so rare yeah. so many people get angry I I, I used I to know. get frustrated a lot I was like ah! <laughs> I love that how did you like have you always been like that or was the process so it's really interesting because when you were talking about the like the when I was younger when you were talking about like the little list with like 7 to 7 30 a.m 7 30 to 7 45 like it's so interesting because I used to do that when I was young, you know, when I was like 12, 14, 15 year, years old, I used to be obsessed with making lists, but by the hour, like by the minute, you know, um, and I loved following them. So I don't know if that is something that 
I would still love and I'm trying to avoid or if I just outgrew it or if I just picked it up from I don't know where because honestly none of my parents taught me that you know like make lists they even thought like I was so obsessed and so organized and controlling that they even almost took me to a doctor to see if I had OCD because I couldn't sleep with the uh, bedroom when they it was uh, dirt uh, messy I used to be super um, cleaning and obsessed with with cleaning things and organizing things so I used to be very structured and organized I don't remember being someone who would be frustrated because of time especially because I always am the one who's late at least like five minutes so whenever we were leaving for school our dad would drop us off I would always be the last one on the door everyone would always be waiting for me um, whenever we know we went out for dinner again, always the last one on the door, just like, I don't know what goes on. I can try to start getting ready one hour and a half before something happens in my brain that I would just be late, you know? And yeah, like in my adult life that just transformed into this concept of like, what is time? Time is a construct. <laughs> so yeah. So then I just, um, started being really okay with I don't know like this, I, this for me this sentence whatever is in your highest alignment is in my highest alignment for me that rules a lot of my relationships and my day-to-day -day. so I know that if someone is making a decision from their intuition and from what they feel it's right I know that it's right for me as well because the universe wouldn't make something in be in alignment for one person and then not in alignment for the other person, you know? So, and then for me, if the person is not happy with the way that I'm doing things, then they just aren't, shouldn't be in my surroundings, you know? Like I'm not going to change who I am and not, and go through my boundaries just to make someone else feel good about their own way of doing things so yeah nor and it's really interesting because recently I had a situation where I had to reschedule a call like 30 minutes before the call was happening and I yeah I rescheduled it. the person got super upset was really passive aggressive about it and I'm like you know what like this isn't meant to be then we're not meant to be in each other's circles you know because you clearly just vibe off of a different thing and I can't force myself to do something just because it makes you uncomfortable to do it somewhere in a different way you know and they could do the same they could do the same they could say to me like no you're not being respectful of my time I organize myself around this and everything and I really respect that but that's just not the way that I do things like when people cancel things with me and like of course they do I just I'm like don't worry at all I know it was the best for everyone like I really don't care I don't know it's just something that I don't have attachment with so for me it's just really easy you don't take it personally it has it doesn't not mean anything at all. about your value their value it's just you kind of it seems like you understand people are just have different styles and that's and that's it yeah and also like with the emotional thing you know when it's getting close to a, like I set things up and everything but if the day comes and I feel super low I feel like borderline depressed and I feel like it's a struggle just to get out of bed and eat something you know because sometimes that happens you know I have a lot of things going on in my life 
And sometimes I have to set boundaries and I have to say no to things that once I agreed before to make sure that I'm taking care of my mental health and taking care of myself. And if people have a problem with that, then I don't want to be around people like that. Like I don't, because I have an extreme respect to other people's mental health and their boundaries. So, or I try to at least. So yeah, like I wouldn't get upset if someone said like, hey, I need to reschedule this call. I'm really not feeling okay. And I'll be like, no, you have to go through the call. Like, no, like, why would I do that with someone? I would hate if someone did that to me, you know? So, yeah. Okay, but what if, I think I, I totally get you. And I think that's amazing that you managed to do that so young because very often it's a process. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, what advice would you have for people when they are being ghosted or they are being cancelled on, but not not in a nice way, you know, not like not not in a respectful way? Because I think yeah, it's easier to do, it's easier to accept if the person is being polite. Of course, there would be always people who get angry and everything, but like if things are explained or, or a little bit explained, we don't need to justify yourself. I agree, but if somebody says, oh, I can't make it anymore and just take it in your in your face, how would you, I do think you have it, any advice for that? Yeah, I think it comes back to the elements of alignment, trust, and boundaries. So if you feel like someone is being disrespectful to you, I think then that is like the same way that I don't want an ex- person in my life you can also say like look this is disrespectful and I just don't want the type of person that cancels on me and go or ghost me or something like that and then you set a boundary in that sense um however I would look at where you are triggered um and then understand if you are building because I think that there is a thing that if someone cancels like this is what I've seen in my own life okay when someone cancels on me normally it was more aligned for me to not have that plan in the first place even if it's a date if it's something else or whatever for me if the person is not in the mood then it I trust that it's always also in the best alignment for me however if that is perpetuated through a period of time and you end up ended up feeling disrespectful disrespected after a time I think that you have then to set boundaries and stand up for yourself you know I think that it goes both ways the same way that I will say like I don't want someone who is who can't have one like inch of flexibility and will not understand that humans go through things and you know things they change then the person can also say to me I don't want someone who is not committed to whatever like what they planned before and that's okay like I think that not everyone is for everyone you know I don't have to be liked for by everyone I don't have to work with everyone I don't have to be friends or be in relationships with everyone and yeah I think that goes to everyone but then I totally agree with you but something I hear a lot uh, amongst HSPs is uh, like, you know, an empath is, well, this kind of behavior always happens to me. They always, like, people always cancel on me or people always uh, um, do that to me. And I never find the right person or the right friends or the right um, project partners or something like that. And 
I said that because you mentioned trust <laughs> and I think this is linked. I think that's really interesting because in my belief, the way that I see the world, whenever something is a pattern, so whenever you see yourself saying, I never or I always, then and if it's something that you don't want in your life, then you have to look at what in your subconscious is creating that reality for yourself. Because if you never find people that you can trust, then how can you look at your subconscious belief about people? Because maybe you do believe in your core being that people are not trustworthy and then what happened in your childhood for you to pick up that belief because that's not the case for everyone you know so if it it is the case for you and you feel like it's always something that's happening to you then I think we have to also have the self-responsibility to look inside and understand okay how am I manifesting this you know I try to go to um I I try to go through life from this principle of I'm manifesting everything, the good and the bad, the what the mind perceives the, as the good and the bad as well. So if I can manifest a cool job and a cool opportunity, I can also manifest people always canceling on me because it all goes down to the fact that you are a co-creator of your own reality. So in this specific case, in a in a case of someone having a pattern with this type of behavior, is it about the people or is it first about yourself and what you are looping in, what beliefs you are looping in? And then the people that you will call into your life, when you change your belief, they will change as well. It will be different people. So it's a, you would recommend a lot of introspection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I love this idea of being the co-creator. It's uh, it's very empowering. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, like life is not happening to you. It is happening with you, actually. You know, you are creating yeah. it. Oh, I never heard that. I always hear life is happening for you. I was going to say that, but then it came to my head to say with. And I was like, yeah, it's true. It, it is with you. You know, you're co-creating I, it. Yeah. I, I love the with. And actually... I think it's great because I want to a little cap at is when you say you co-create everything or you manifest everything, the good and the bad. I totally agree with you. That being said, I think as humans, we don't have power about on everything. Like there are things that happen in our life that we have no control over, like the war uh, or something horrible, you know, a car accident, someone an attack this kind of things um horribly like racism and all of these disgusting things uh, we could say it's manifested by the global human whatever yeah <laughs> thing negative energy or whatever but i think that's i i, I just say i think it's important to remind it's happening with you because we have like we have power but there are things we have no power over. Oh, we can find a way to reclaim our power from some horrible things in life that we have no control over. That's what I mean. I agree, especially when it's trauma and you're young, you know, like these kids that go through like horrible stuff. It's not they are like subconsciously thinking about it. I think there are other structures and spiritually and also non-spiritually, like in the physical world that are set in place that 
we don't control for sure. Um, but why I like, so I don't say that for you to, for people to like take that, take everything on their shoulders. Like, ah, I like this horrible thing happened to me. It's my fault. Like never, never, never. It's just a way of us starting to understand that whatever we do have control over, we can change, which maybe yeah. is not everything, but a big part we can change and we can um, work on. Yes, I so agree. I think it's really important. I remember we met through some manifestation community. So I, I, I it was great, but something that I found very difficult, I don't think they were intending for that, but I felt, and I think many people, especially sensitive people, they tend, we tend to make ourselves responsible for everything and guilty about everything, especially if you have, for those of us who had had trauma during childhood, we have taken this habit of thinking it's because of, oh, we made a mistake, or oh, we aren't safe, and I think that can be very, very dangerous. It's really important to not confuse finding power wherever you can and with everything is your fault. You deserve the bad things as well as as, as much as the good things. Really I important. totally, totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, continue. I was, uh, you were talking about trust and being grounded and dreams and i'm curious what were your biggest childhood dreams my childhood dreams uh, i really when i was a kid i wanted to be an actress <laughs> and i also wanted to be famous so that was that were two of my dreams and then i started wanting to become a teacher as well so i would line up all of my dolls and like give them like teach them something um, I would also pretend that a paparazzi is behind me, like super weird. <laughs> I don't know. I've always wanted to be <laughs> known, you know. That's so um, interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so that those were like my childhood dreams, and then my adult dreams. <laughs> um, well, they it depends if you're asking my mind in the past or my soul. Because I think that that's an interesting thing to 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 make a distinction. Because I think that we can dream through our minds and our conditioned self, and we can also dream through our authentic self. And there's a huge difference there. I agree. Can you talk more about this? Of course. In your case. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, I think this is a huge. This is something that played a huge part in the work that I do now and why I'm so obsessed with the message of finding your authenticity, living through intuition and things like that. So when I was like just graduating from college, I remember that I did this dream manifestation map in which I stated all of my dreams and they were like being the VP of Google or working in a fashion magazine um and living in in London and yeah a lot of different things that were not really my dreams they were just my dreams meshed with my parents expectations of me and ultimately they would not fulfill me if I had gone after them 
So after getting into like personal development, spirituality, blah, 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 I got into closer alignment with my authentic self. And then when I redid this dream map, I realized that it wasn't at all the case of what I wanted. And what I really, really wanted was to have a lot of freedom and flexibility to travel around uh, the world and work at the same time. Um, and that I didn't want to work for Google. Like, God, no, I didn't, you know? And that fashion was something that I loved for some years, but then I didn't want to work with anymore. So, yeah, a lot of my dreams changed, and I just became a completely different person from... (laughs) what was in that piece of paper, you know, I then uh, graduated um, as a, got certified as a yoga teacher, I started getting really into spirituality, became a Reiki um, giver, um, like became a coach, became a certified health coach as well. So my path just changed drastically, you know, I went from wanting to live in a big city in the UK to living in an island, walking barefoot, you know, so that's why I th- and I think that it's so important to understand where you are coming from if you're coming from your conditioned self or from your authentic self because that will dictate the energy that you're putting on things and the level of fulfillment that you'll get from the things that you're doing because when you are coming from your conditioned self you're coming from an incomplete place so you naturally feel incomplete even when you do get the things that you think that you want versus if you're coming from your authentic self first I think that your authentic self already recognizes the place that you are in as enough so you feel enough you feel complete in the present moment and whatever you want next is just an extension of that it's not something that will be there to complete you and I don't think we were taught that in our lives and it's not I'm not perfect on this at all but I think that there is a huge energetical difference as well between those two. How did you find out? How, what was your process to kind of uh, see that's mine and that's condition? I did a lot of work on my self-awareness. Um, I think it was several different tools, several different processes, reading uh, some books. I think that there was this really important thing that was a detachment from my family and their values and their beliefs in the world versus building my own and standing by my own true feet. So instead of, you know, thinking that like a simple, stupid example, like my family thinks that you should store cucumbers in the fridge, but I think that you should store cucumbers. Oh, cucumbers. Okay. Yeah, like a really simple thing. Like I think that I put should put cucumbers outside of the fridge, you know? It doesn't mean that they are right or wrong it, or that I am right or wrong. Actually, I recently saw a video that you should store cucumbers outside of the fridge. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> so um, it's just something that, you know, normally you carry with you because of them, but it doesn't make it a rule. So I think that that for me was really, really important because... My family, they have, they're very generator, you know, so they work a lot. They 
uh, wake up really early and they're working all day, every day, and they like doing that and they have energy to do that. But I am not like that, you know, and I didn't have the consistent energy that they did. So instead of feeling wrong about it, which I did for a lot, lot of years, I started understanding that this is just my way of doing things. It just doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It just means that I'm different. Yeah, we are definitely not our parents. I so agree. And it's important to distance. Uh, in my case, I resonate with a lot of what you said because I also moved far from my family in many occasions. And I felt it's not only the physical distanciation, it's but I think it helps. Like moving away, like literally, physically, maybe it's because we are Taurus. So we need this bodily experience to literally physically move so that the move or the distance also happens within. Yeah, I totally agree. Whenever I spent time away from them, our relation, my relationship with them would be better. And also I would feel more like myself. However, I would say that a lot of the things that I disliked about myself or being close to them they continued so there's this really funny story that I've always been someone who woke up later like naturally I just can't wake up early like I really I, I need to stop saying that about myself but um I just have yeah always never since I was a kid yeah when you say never I've, never <laughs> oh, always say I've, something <laughs> yeah I know I know but honestly since I was a kid it's been it was a challenge for me to wake up early. Um, and I naturally want to go to sleep later and then wake up later. And I was shamed a lot by that with my family because they are the opposite, except for my brother. My brother is like me. Anyway, so I remember that whenever I was like in the weekends and I woke up at 10 a.m., I would be like, oh my God, it's 10 a.m. People are judging me. Or even like during the day and I had to work. So, you know, I was making money but I don't know, I didn't have meetings or whatever. Like I know that I can do the, my work in smaller periods of time anyways. So I would wake up at like 10 or something. And my dad saw that I woke up at 10. I would feel so judged and ashamed. And he would even comment something, you know, about the time that I woke up or something like that. And I would just feel wrong, like a wrong human be being. And I would start the day basically shaming and judging myself. Like I would start the day saying, you are a horrible human because you woke up at this time and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so that stayed so strong in me that one day I remember that I was in Bali and I was living by myself there, like in my own room, in my own little cottage thing. But there were some construction people around my my room. And I remember that when, one day I woke up and I think it was like 11 or something like that. And I woke up like, oh my God, what are the construction people going to think of me? Like I, what I was... I was afraid of what the construction people would think of me waking up at 11. So clearly it was me projecting like my fear of being judged by my father on the construction people, you know, that honestly, what, like, who cares what they think about my life, you know? Um, and it was so, when I had this, this thought and I was aware of it, I was like, wow, this just shows that no, no matter where in the world I am in, this, 
judgment is so big inside of me that it's not about being close to my dad or not. It's about this being internalized inside of me and I have to look at it. Otherwise, it will follow me wherever in the world I am in. So again, although some things they do get better when you're away from your family or you're away from the people that um, impose some certain conditions on you, there are things that will follow you wherever you are in the world and you just can't run away from them. Yeah, so true. I, I, I think the, the moving away, like physically away, can help. Maybe it's like the initiator, you know, the thing that activates the transformation or the change, like gaining the distance or being away so that we can see things a bit more clearly or begin to see them. But I'm not saying we need to be away from our family forever. <laughs> and that's otherwise it would be like running away and, and not facing the truth. So at, at the end, you don't solve anything. If the only thing is just run away, then you never face the, the problems and totally. And the problems are within. I mean, of course, they would also have things to change, but you cannot do this for them. That's their story. But you, it's your thing, it's your head, it's your mind, it's your thoughts, it's your beliefs, uh, it's your feelings, your emotions, and this is with you everywhere. Yeah, yeah, so, 100%. 100%. Totally. And uh, talking about that, uh, since you've been traveling and, and you've been beginning to live life according to your own terms where do you feel is home that's a really good question and i've thought about this a lot <clears throat> and it's actually one of the reasons why i moved to greece in the first place because i never felt at home in brazil so i was born there i grew up there never felt aligned with the country never felt aligned while i was there i always felt like there was something off just felt like it wasn't my place so it frustrated me a lot that I was there. I almost felt stuck there, you know. Um, and when I started traveling, I would constantly feel this disconnect with the places that I was in. And my family, so I'm Brazilian, but I have Greek and Italian ascendancy. So I have passports. I didn't oh, know you have... No, I didn't know you had Greek descent. I didn't know at all. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Somehow yeah. I thought Portuguese because I know you went to Portugal before. Yeah. So amazing. So so because of the Greek thing, like, and it's always been my dream to come to Greece and um, just see what's it all about. <laughs> and last year on my birthday in May, I decided that I wanted to visit where my family was from in Greece, which is Corfu. And there is a synagogue there that has the my last name on it. So for the Jews of Corfu that perished on the Second World War. And I went to Corfu and then I my parents told me like, ah, there's the synagogue. It's I think it's the only synagogue in the city of Corfu um, that has our last name and everything. And so I went to visit it. And when I saw my last name there, I started crying so much and I think it was the first time that I felt like I belonged somewhere. It was really weird because I felt like 
in the other side of the world, in a tiny island that was a part of me, like literally a, my blood, you know, my last name, my a part of my DNA was in this, like, in this island and in this synagogue. Of course, my DNA wasn't in the synagogue, but, you know, it was like my, there was... Your roots. Exactly. My roots, they were there. And I was, I don't know, when I saw that, I felt so connected to it that I was like, I need to move to Greece, at least for some time. And that's when I decided to not, but then instead of going to Corfu, which is an older island, I decided to, like, I found out about this place, which is Crete, um, the city that I'm living in, the town is Hania. Um, and yeah, and it was really interesting after that time, I feel like I didn't really think about the sensation of home a lot. And I know that a lot of people, they say like, home is where you are. And I agree with that. But for me, home is really about the small routines of self-love and self-care that make me feel like myself, you know, that if I don't do they make me feel really disconnected and just like de completely detached from this reality. So even if it's like a small thing as waking up and making breakfast for myself or journaling or being able to cook certain things like so I know what I'm going to eat um, or uh, moving my body like with yoga or with Pilates or with going to the gym or just going for a walk like small things, meditation, small things that just make me come back to myself. That for me is what I found out that home really is because those things, they ground me back into who I am and my humanness, you know? And I think that that is something that wherever I am in the world, I try to do. I'm not really strict about them. It's not like I wake up and I do 10 minutes of journaling, blah, blah, blah. Like it's not about that. For me, it's about the small things that make you feel that you are yourself that can look like so, anything yeah and then like could you like do you allow yourself to be intuitive with that as well so some days it will be more something another day or maybe like you don't do it necessarily first thing in the morning you can do it later during the day or for sure for sure like I don't journal every day I haven't journaled really that much recently I don't meditate every day um, I do have breakfast every day. Um, <laughs> I don't work out every day. I don't do any of these things every day, but every day I try to do something that will make me feel more like myself. For me, it's really weird. Like I have this big connection with food. Maybe it's because of the tourist thing. So whenever I feel like the house like I don't have groceries or I'm not cooking my food I'm having to order out a lot or going out to eat a lot I feel really disembodied I just feel really um, distracted I feel really uncomfortable like I don't like it you know so I know that when I can cook for myself and prepare that meal for myself I feel so much like myself I feel like because this is something that I love doing and I love doing wherever I am in the world when I was in Brazil when I was in Bali when I was wherever for me those are like sacred stuff you know so I always make sure to do that and I don't go more than two or three days without moving my body for sure I love exercising it's something that makes me feel again like I'm myself so I don't I'm not uh, really structured about any of that but I do 
feel when I need them. You know, I think it's more about the sensation of I feel like I need these things rather than putting a cer- certain structure to everything and then having to do everything um every day you know like these people that have those crazy morning routines like i i i have been that person for some years but right now it doesn't make sense for me maybe in the future but right now i don't want that like i don't want to feel like there's another huge thing that i have to do in my day you know otherwise i'm not enough if i'm not doing these things yeah <laughs> same i i've been the one who tries to regiment my daily routine thinking that's what I needed to be in the floor to be able to be in the floor and then I realized actually <laughs> that's some rules that some people say and this was these were probably rules generated by people who are not that flowy anyway <laughs> and tying with the ENFP INFP and Enneagram 4 as well Enneagram 4 is the the Enneagram of the artist the one who is very free-spirited uh, mm. who, who is inward a lot like has a huge inner world I mean we all have a, a big inner world but we don't all need to be so much into it but the four is very reflective very in, in and very connected to the senses because of the creation creativity and artistry mm. interesting so yeah. I, I felt like, yeah, actually having, like, allowing myself to be away from these rigid routines would help me to trust, going back to trust. I can trust myself. I can trust my body to know what's good for me. But that being said, I think when we have been away from our body, or when we have been away from authenticity for a long time, especially if it's when we grew up, maybe we don't really know what's good for us maybe we don't really know what's good for our body and actually the notion of alignment we even don't know what that means like what does it mean and therefore if suddenly from the totally conditioned or not aware not conscious stage to let it flow i listen to my body whenever it it can be very scary and actually not healthy or not helpful i love that you said that I really 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 love that really 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 love it because I think that there's a difference between flowy and lack of discipline and I hate the word discipline in the way of like ego or mind exactly or punishing like teacher yeah. exactly but there is a certain energetic that goes into consistency and instead of discipline let's call it structure that supports you in the long term. So for example, I I know that in my life, when I wake up, the more anxious I wake up, the more I want to reach for my phone and reach for quick comfort. So yeah. the more anxious I wake up, I don't want to go and do the 20-minute meditation. I'm like, no, I just want a hit of dopamine. I want to look at TikToks. I want to just forget about this anxiety that I'm feeling. I like even now, after meditating or doing personal development work forever for more than seven years, I still run away from it. I still run away from my body and from feeling my feelings. Like I'll be the first one to admit it. And I don't, I'm not ashamed of it at all, because I'm just a human being and I do reach for my phone the first thing in the morning. If I'm more at peace and I wake up with more calm 
then I'll be like, ah, oh, maybe I should me- meditate. However, I think that there's such an important thing here because the routine that you create for yourself and those habits, they're meant to support you. They're not meant to hinge you. However, the more that you put them in place in the moments that you don't want to do them, you will then reach for them more and more and more. And you will get into the habit of having them support you on the long term instead of just in the days that you're okay, then you meditate, you know? So what I try to do is that I try to be really aware daily in the moments where I need them the most and the moments that I want to run away from them the most it's the moments that I try to hone into them the most as well because you know when you are okay it's like if you're meditating like it's great but it's really the moments that you're really really in need that you will try to just numb yourself and then you have to have the self-awareness to understand are you flowing with your routine and being intuitive or are you just being like numbing yourself and running away from something and I think that there's a big difference over there that really no one will be able to tell except you you are the one who will be able to determine whether you are flowing and being comfortable and like making the best decisions for you and maybe today it is scrolling tiktok not going to judge that but maybe some days you are scrolling on tiktok and you're not okay you know so Mm. and that's okay too but just be aware you know don't like don't kid yourself and pretend like i'm just flowing you know like are you really and i know that i do that sometimes so yeah we all do (laughs) it's difficult Uh, this requires a lot of discipline not to kill oneself sometimes it's easier for some stuff not to kill oneself but sometimes it's really hard and the only thing we want is to kill oneself (laughs) (laughs) it's like that's okay that's okay yeah we're not supposed to be perfect every day actually never but yeah and that's it for the first part of our conversation i hope you enjoyed it and that you are inspired to experiment with your own flow and your own interpretation of what of what home means to you and practice getting into your body more often i will see you next week with the second part of my conversation with camille and in the meantime if you would like to get in touch with her check the links in the show notes and also i wanted to let you know that the empowered sensitive and creative retreat is back next year there are only six tickets available so if you would like to join check out um, the retreat page at rimcreativeenergy.com retreat thank you for tuning in i hope you enjoyed this episode and if it has inspired you please share it around you also if you feel called to it please subscribe to the podcast and leave me a review it really helps to spread the word out all your questions are welcome. You can send them to me on Instagram at rim.creativeenergy.com or email me via my website rimcreativeenergy.com and don't worry, I'll share in the show notes exactly where to find me. Until next time, sending you loving creative energy.